Welcome to The Big F You. I'm your host, Erica Cantor. This is a show all about fucking up and failing up. I'll be interviewing comedians, artists, entrepreneurs, and generally speaking, people I find interesting about the early parts of their careers to learn how they fumbled their way into various measures of success. Today, I'm talking to Orion Levine. Orion Levine is a stand-up comedian from the Bay Area, currently based out of Los Angeles. He's appeared on The Late Late Show with James Corden, and we actually, we talk about that in the episode. This episode was recorded before he appeared on The Late Late Show. He was named a new face at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in 2022, and he appeared at New York Comedy Festival. And he was a finalist at the San Francisco International Comedy Competition in 2021. Now he performs all over the country. And prior to this episode, he performed on an EDM cruise ship. So technically speaking, that's international waters. Orion Levine is an international sensation. In this episode with international sensation Orion Levine, we talk a lot about comedy. We talk about comedy, we talk about some of the habits that he has as a writer that make him, I think, a better comic, and how he cultivates a positive attitude and how that, I think, also makes him a better comic. But even if you're not into comedy, a lot of these skills are applicable all across life. Orion is someone who's incredibly disciplined, intentional, and methodical, and He's a very positive and practical person as well. And I just think that listening to someone like this speak might help anyone feel inspired to adopt this kind of approach to achieve their goals. It's definitely something that you listen to how he operates and you're like, oh, that's how this dude leveled up. And also he's really funny. So a a little talent helps too. I mean, I said it once, I said it twice, I'll say it again. Orion Levine is an international sensation. A real freaking, he's a star. He's a, a Hollywood Boulevard star in the ground. International sensation, whatever. He's a, this is a serious program. Everyone should take this seriously. Please enjoy my wide-ranging conversation with Orion Levine. An international sensation. Hey. Hey. What's up? Welcome back to the Big FU. You're here to record for the second time. I'm back. I'm a return. You're a return customer. A return customer. So you just got back from being on a cruise ship? Yep. I did the friendship EDM cruise. And yeah, it was fun. (laughs) Lots of friendship involved? (laughs) I made some friends. I don't know. I'm not a raver, so. You're not a raver. You're studious boy, studious um, comedy boy. No, but I'm not like, <laughs> that's just such a weird culture to me. And I don't know. It's it's cool. I don't know judgment, but I'm not like, Yeah. I wasn't like, man, I wish. How these... did that come to be? I was opening for a friend of mine, Jared Goldstein. He just brought okay. me with. And then, but how did he book that? Is he a raver? Or they were just like, no. this is a good comic. Let's get him on I think board. so, yeah. Like his agency booked him for it. Hmm. yeah very cool it's cool how does that relationship jump to being like okay come with me and now open i think we just know that we like hanging out with each other and if you're gonna be on a boat with somebody then you need to like know that you like hanging out with them yeah that makes sense how long was the cruise four days four nights maybe okay it was cool it's a considerable amount of time yeah it was a while you guys Um, bunk up nope i had my own room and (laughs) Yeah, no, it was good. It was not a lot of sleeping. I felt like I was still on the boat yesterday. Like I was like swaying, which I Googled and it's apparently a normal thing. But yeah, I'm back. So we met the first time in San Francisco. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Milk bar. Milk right? bar. Yeah. Classic. And I remember seeing you perform and uh-huh. just thinking that you were far better than everyone oh, else was there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I also remember thinking that you were doing a character, which you corrected me on. Was I? Well, you were, I thought that you were doing this character and then you told me when we were shooting one of your sketches uh-huh. that it was not a character and you just had stage fright. I don't know if it was consciously like a character, but I was definitely not really being myself. Right. The first time I went on stage or first few times I used like a Southern accent for some reason. And yeah, I guess it was a stage fright thing, but 
I also, I kind of just liked weird comics or just like not operating in reality necessarily. So I think looking back, it probably was a character. When did you start to break out of that and why? I think I just realized that it was disingenuous and I didn't need to do that. I mean, I think I'm still not the person that I am on stage necessarily. And one day I will find a way to be 100% me. But I don't know. Like, I write jokes that are not necessarily true. But most of the time they're not, or at least they're, like, bent in some way. So right. I can't 100% be myself if I'm not really even telling the truth. Does that make sense? Completely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I struggle with that. I feel like I've been trying to figure out the best way to be myself on stage. Mm-hmm. I'm a very fickle person mm-hmm. and my emotions are like, woo. And then there will be times that I get on stage and I've had a terrible shitty day and I bring that to the stage mm-hmm. and it does really well. And then the next day, if I'm feeling 10 times better, I'll bring the same character onto stage with me. But at that point it's a character cause it's inauthentic. Yeah, totally. And I've just been trying to figure out how to work through that because there's something to be said for being consistent about the thing that you're doing and cultivating your craft and like working on one character on one joke at a time. Yeah. But it's also definitely inauthentic sometimes. Right. And I've never been like, I need to be like this person on stage or whatever like it's always just been like more of an organic thing yeah and then i mean sometimes i watch tape or or, or listen to myself and i'm like oh like that is who i want to be but then as soon as you're like i need to be this thing and then you try and recreate it it never works out for me it yeah. never comes out 100 percent what i want it to be i mean it's just all about what you said like taking your actual feelings in that moment and being present in those and using that to be an authentic version of yourself otherwise you're just kind of reading a script or hitting certain notes that you hit one time when you were feeling that way. Yeah. No, exactly. Right. It's it's a balance for sure. Yeah. Do you record every set that you do? Mm-hmm. And do you always watch them? I tape on my phone like or I audio. I, yeah. And I listen to maybe 5% of what I tape. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't listen to a lot of it. A lot of times it'll be just like, oh, how long was this joke or how long was that chunk? But yeah, I don't listen to a lot of it. It's hard. It's hard to. Yeah. No, it's terrible listening you, to yourself. Yeah, you kind of have to. And it's a good writing exercise too to listen to your stuff. You can come up with tags that way. Yeah. So it, it's helpful when I do, but I definitely don't do it a lot. Can you talk about your writing process mm-hmm. and getting into flow state? Yeah, I don't, flow state, that's hard to get to writing wise because writing is such like homework task for me, you know, and I'm never like want to write. I have diagnosed ADHD and just like, it's diagnosed. Yeah, I don't want to just throw out ADHD. How are you doing in the Adderall shortage? Oh, I don't have, I don't do Adderall. What do you do? Nothing. I just, I just have, I just want to say diagnosed because people throw ADHD around a lot, (laughs) but it's taken the tests and failed. Yeah. It's never like, I don't enjoy sitting down and writing. I don't think anybody does. That's the work part of it, you know, Mm -hmm. but where I'm at now with writing is I'll, I'll wake up, make breakfast, drink some coffee. I'll smoke a little weed and then I'll sit down and put a 25 minute timer on and then I'll take a 10 minute break and then I'll do like 15 more minutes. That's kind of where I'm at now. That's an incredible routine. Yeah, it works for me. I'd like to do more. I would like to be writing for at least an hour every day, but it's not easy and productivity goes down as it goes on. Yeah. And I think I also need to kind of get in the habit of writing more at night when I come home from shows because I feel stimulated during that time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's it. I'm kind of just like, I'll work on like a bit or two a month and I'll just kind of like rewrite that those jokes every morning and hope for more tags or to change things around. So you'll focus on the same material for a period of time. Yeah, I think most people who write as much as I do probably come up with more material because I'm very obsessed with word choice and cutting things down as much as possible and getting the most laughs as much as possible. So I have like less ideas than most, but I kind of focus more on the laughs per minute and getting a laugh every other line, you know? Do you measure that? Is that what you're also listening to in the tapes? I measure it when it's for something so right now i'm submitting to late night and i know how many laughs my 
set has. And I've listened to a lot of other late nights and I count and I want to make sure that I'm at the level that my, you know, comics that I look up to are at. So I do. Yes. I like to count laughs when I'm watching comedy too, but it's really hard to do that with ADHD because I get (laughs) distracted and I stop counting and then the whole thing's fucked. That's kind Um, of meditative though. Yeah, and I don't know. I I get sick of listening to comedy, but I'll never get sick of laughs. Or (laughs) I can't count. Like, counting is hard, but, like, just, like, the laughs. Like, I'm always listening to the laughs. Or if someone's getting a lot of laughs, like, I I might not even know what they said, but I know that they crushed, you know? Yeah. Um, You're addicted to the laughter. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, that's the part that we do it for, you know? And and that's what, like, you can write the best uh, great jokes but if they're not getting laughs you're not succeeding you know what i mean right um, right not to mention or not to say that i don't Depending recognize on your measure of success if your measure of success is the number of laughs. right i mean there's some people who are hacks and are getting more laughs than anybody but that doesn't really count to me yeah that's fair yeah so who are some of those people that you look up to when you're submitting for late night well i was looking at a lot of like late nights recently and sam sam morrell definitely had the most dense set yeah in terms of laughs he's a fucking beast i'm pretty sure he lives in my building complex in new york oh really that's cool yeah, yeah he's seen, um seen him on the streets yeah out of all of the ones that i actually kept track of he had the highest and then what it, was his do you know off the top of your head i could look at it Give us um, the do you want me to sure that's actually that's sick that you just you keep it on your phone and you've actually recorded all of this. Yeah, there's a little counter app. So he had a three minute and fifty five second set and he had thirty seven laughs. Wait, um, can I see the app? What's it's it just called? called Counter. Oh. It looks like that. Is it specifically for comedy? No. Like counting you laughs. Can... Oh, you just count anything. I just listen to it and I you just tap the button and then the number goes up. You know. Oh so, shit! That's so cool. He had less than a four minute set and had thirty seven laughs and whereas another comic that i like deeply respect had a five minute and 20 second set and they had 32 laughs so those are both great sets but i don't know i really i I want as much laughs and punchlines as possible pretty much any good new york city comic is gonna be at that level you know yeah no i was Um, having this conversation recently with some comics that new york comedy and LA comedy are pretty different because I feel like in New York people write jokes more and in LA people are more performative and they were kind of more on the side of the LA comics mm. but I've also spoken with New York comics who were like my comedy in LA just didn't work and I mm-hmm. had to move in order to advance my career mm-hmm. yeah a lot of more into writing jokes yeah a lot of New York comics kind of struggle in LA and yeah i don't know i think like we value personality or just being more interesting and looks and yeah. like there's a lot a more story yeah there's a lot more of that aspects here so i have some chemistry jokes right now that oh yeah I'm pretty obsessed with but people keep telling me they don't understand them yeah I'm like, i need to move across the country yeah <laughs> that's not really yeah i can see that being a struggle here for sure but i don't know i, I think there's value to both i think it's harder to get better here and I kind of like like that challenge and I don't know there's pros and cons to both how do you try and overcome that challenge of getting better yeah do comedy other places than LA <laughs> a lot of like road stuff I feel yeah. like I can't, I can't get better just like staying in the city so I'll go back to the Bay Area and like work on some jokes if I really need to but you can also do it here I mean there are mics and there's our little bar shows where the stakes are low enough right something people say about la is just that there's industry here so you you, it's like you kind of always have to be on your game performing and i i think that people just assume that the industry doesn't understand that you have to work on jokes and i think you can still do it and just put your new jokes in the middle and Mm -hmm. people are gonna understand i mean at the end of the day it's like they're more interested in you than your material so if you're likable and you're competent and professional like that's kind of all you need to do, I think. Right, right. Yeah. When you go on the road like that, are you reaching out to the clubs? How does that work? A little bit or or indie show producers or I'll reach out to like a comic on a show and see if I can open for them or I don't know. It's a mix of both. It mix of everything. Right. Yeah. What's he, your kind of response rate there? I don't know. I haven't done a lot of cold reaching out recently, but people are cool. I'm also confident in my ability and I have good 
tapes and credits so it's like yeah i think in a lot of small towns people are happy to have people with credits on because it makes their show more interesting right so i think that it's pretty good i don't know i I only want to do the good shows and i only have enough time for so much stage time so yeah i kind of just stick to my spots when i go on uh, you know outside of la right no i've actually i've been shocked by how people outside of la respond when you're just like hey Mm -hmm. want some stage time Mm -hmm. yeah it's cool yeah yeah yeah. totally you can the la comics do have a bad reputation though so you have to i'm i'm a i'm a regular yeah you have to kind of be like i'm more than just in la more than (laughs) yeah i'm i'm deep i'm deep yeah (laughs) tell them you have the apartment complex with sam brown and you'll get booked (laughs) what does it look like applying to late night well that's a lot of rejection (laughs) there's not a lot of late night spots right now it's pretty much just cord in the tonight show and the tonight show was a pretty big no for me to me and then (laughs) i'm kind of going back and forth with cord and it's just like they just tell you what they want and what they don't want i mean they're pretty clear right they're like this joke cut it replace it put this joke here so yeah it's just kind of sending tapes of what they want and hoping that you get a good crowd to tape it in front of it's also going off the air in like two months so it's kind of like a time constraint at this point yeah totally totally fuck yeah but we'll see it's not the end of the world if i don't get on it there'll be more opportunities what are some of your favorite jokes that you've written and the process in terms of how you got them to where they Mm. are I talk a lot about my family and that's a topic that I continue to talk about. I feel like everything that I put out, like any extended set, I think I will be talking about my family. And so I like that. I like figuring out how to like, because I mean, there is a lot of traumatic shit about my family and just finding a way to talk about it in a way that is funny and is not scary or weird to people is is always a fun challenge i feel like a really successful joke is is one i mean just looking at the political binary of what can both liberals and conservatives laugh at i have a joke about owning a prius that Mm -hmm. accomplishes that like Mm -hmm. both sides think it's funny and both sides think it's making fun of the other side so i think like that's like my like biggest accomplishment joke center of the country yeah i mean but i mean it's still taking a side you know it's i'm admitting that i vote democrat in the joke but it still is self-deprecative enough and it's also making fun of conservatives in a way but i don't know not it just works for both sides and i like that because i'm not i'm not like hiding my my beliefs in it you know what i mean mm-hmm. but i love just like universality i have jokes that don't work with old people and i have jokes that really work with old people and most of my shit is written by you know a young person it's written by me so it's like and most of it works with people my age but i like to figure out a way to make people who don't look like me laugh at it as well right and that's a big challenge do you think that getting out of LA and touring different places plays a role in how you think about playing to a diverse audience. Yeah, for sure. I started in San Francisco, obviously, and just like that is a very homogenous group of people. And if you're just, there's people who just stay in SF and this is true for any city, but they just stay there and it's just like, then their comedy becomes SF comedy, you know? Right. And I, I mean, I hate that. It's like my pet peeve is like people fucking talking about shit on the sidewalk or whatever and it's just like that's it's <laughs> not funny to anyone else <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like what are you doing yeah no it's so true i mean i guess if you're performing in sf you're definitely getting laughs because yeah and you'll get work in sf there's but... fully shit on the sidewalk yeah but i always made a point not to tell those jokes right because i couldn't wait to get out of there that makes sense yeah how does your family feel about you talking about trauma? I don't think I'm, well, to be clear, I'm not saying like this is trauma. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to, but it's not that yet. And I'm also not coming from a place of hating my family. I'm coming from a place of love. And I think that they know that we have our issues, but yeah, I don't know. They also have a good sense of humor, thankfully. Yeah, like they so, like it, I'm sure. Yeah, and and in a way, I think they like being talked about. Like right now, I've been talking about my parents' divorce, and it's like they're not going to deny that that affected me. 
Yeah. It's really just about mining your own experience. Yes. And family affects you so much. And I'm on stage to talk about my perspective. So I don't ever feel guilty about talking about my family. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. And if anything, I I feel like they'd probably support you in that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's cool. I do have a joke where I say my dad's real phone number on stage. I don't think he likes that, but. (laughs) That's so fair. (laughs) They've always been cool about it and they think it's funny. So. They're little artists. Shout out my family. Shout out Orion's family. Can you kind of talk about your early days in comedy and getting into it? And I think because we started around the same time and I wasn't Mm -hmm. really taking it seriously then. Mm -hmm. But from where I sit, it seems like you started and you just went in full force and you Mm -hmm. were doing the mics every night, multiple times a night. Yeah. Obsessed. That must have been a very clear decision you made. Yeah, I think so. I've always been that way with my interests is just like balls to the wall, 100%. It's what I think about all the time, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think that's also an ADHD thing is just the obsessiveness Mm -hmm. and just hyper-focused in things that I care about. Like I had that with skateboarding and I had it with art and I had it with guitar and now it's been comedy. I think when I started, it felt like a bit of like a light bulb moment of like, okay, yeah, this is the thing that I want to do. I didn't need anybody really to tell me that you need to do it this much if you're going to be successful or something like that. Yeah. And I know also there's people who do it as much or more than me and don't level up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that, yeah, it was just like an easy decision for me to make. And like, I've just always been a hundred percent with things that I care about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this was just another example of that. And I'm still going. I've, I still now, cause I've, I've lost interest in the things that I care about at some point or like found something to replace them. So I keep on like feeling like oh, something's going to replace comedy. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. But now it's my job, so it's not as easy to just like... But at that point, it could be something that's tangential to comedy. Yes, totally. it would be... There'd be like a point of connection. Yeah, like I could see myself acting or writing and that becoming another obsession. I know I'll always do comedy and love comedy, so nothing's felt like comedy does to me, even though I've done other things and been obsessed with other things. Did you love comedy as a kid? Yeah, I don't think I watched that much. I think I knew that it was cool and and it was I I did want to be a comedian as a kid and I remember saying that and kind of getting shut down or like not really understanding that that was a realistic thing or seeing a path forward. That's not really on the list of possible careers for kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like but I wanted to be Michelle Kwan. Oh yeah. So, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then as soon as I started doing it, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is the thing that I've been looking for." So, I mean, I'm lucky to have found it, honestly. How did you end up doing that first open mic? My friends had a art space. Well, their their living space was zoned as a retail space. So it looked like a shop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They did art shows there. They had big, big white walls. We had a night where Kira and I, who was the, the girl who lived there, we went through our journals and we're just reading stuff from our journals. It was called journal dipping. This is something that she'd done before. Super fun. And then we just got the idea to like start an open mic from that. And then I was hosting the open mic and I just kind of started trying to be funny. And then comedians started coming to the open mic and they invited me to their shows and other open mics. Just snowballed from there. That's so dope. Yeah, it was kind of a fun way to start for sure. Yeah. In front of my friends. I've actually done that on stage before where I'll bring three different journals and have an audience member choose a journal yeah. and I'll open to a random page and read something. Yeah, it's cool. And sometimes it really works. Yeah. And sometimes it gets so dark so quickly. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> no, it's a great concept and just like journals are, I think, just very cool, especially someone like me who uses a journal and writes in it. And I love a full journal. Mortified is a great have you seen that show? No. It's basically, people bring their childhood diaries and read from them in front of an audience. It's just, it's a great concept. So That's funny. That's so cool. Yeah, it's amazing. When you're writing in the morning, are you journaling or is it just joke writing? No, maybe I'll like write a couple lines of how I'm feeling without any intention of going to a joke with it or... Mm-hmm. 
but no, I don't really, I never really have journaled. It's always, it's always like pretty pointed towards joke writing. Right. Yeah. Do you have a consistent journaling practice outside of that then? No, no. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I call it a journal because it looks like one, but yeah, I'm but not, not journaling. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not um, like, dear diary. No, I, I, I'm here on the boat. I with don't Jared really do that. Goldstein. I have done that. Feeling rocky. Yeah. No, never, never. I've done like when I'm going through like some heavy shit, maybe I'll do it in a like, Google doc or something. I also like the consistency of my notebook being a joke notebook. So I don't like a random, just like sappy journal page Oh yeah. in the middle. You know what I mean? No, this book is very eclectic. <laughs> it's a very eclectic journal. Yeah. Different shit. Yeah. Everything journal. Yeah. 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 But also my brain works differently, so right makes for sense. sure. Yeah, checks out. Yeah, I like that being uniform and everything is the same <laughs> in my journal. <laughs> what are some of your favorite shows from growing up or those influences? Mm. Didn't have cable, so didn't watch a lot. The only movies I owned were Austin Powers Gold Member and then the Happy Madison movies. So Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, and. I watched those movies a lot. Borat changed my life when I saw it in theaters. And then a little bit later, I really got into Jackass and The Office. I'd say those all really influenced me a lot. It's just like primal comedy. It's not like, it's not heady. I wasn't like a Monty Python kid, you know, like. Yeah. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Yeah. That was never like appealing to me. I just like the slapstick bullshit and I don't know, simple. Totally. What's something you wish you made that oh, you watch and you're like, that's so fucking oh. good. I'm angry. I do feel that way about The Office, honestly. Like, it's, I feel like it's the best comedy that's ever been made. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Steve Carell is just I agree like, with that. Yeah. And it's, so, it's such a basic bitch thing to say, but. But it's not. I mean, it's just like they're, it's perfect. I just like the format. I like the way it's filmed and like the interviews, the cutaways. But yeah. There's sketch shows like Tim Robinson's sketches. I wish that I was able to create those, but I don't know. I don't really get that feeling too much of like. Right. Yeah. It's a rare feeling. And when yeah. you feel it, you feel it in your gut and you're like, I wish I fucking Yeah, did. totally. I it definitely have a few sometimes. books I wish I wrote. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I've never felt that way about a book, but yeah, that is a weird feeling to have. But at the same time, like I want the things that I make to not feel like anything that I've seen. And that's also very hard. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I'll get there. Yeah, you will. Yeah, thanks. You get in there. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Who are some of your favorite comics within the scene of like your buddies? Laura Peak. She's an amazing comic. She was a new face with me. She's from Tennessee and she's just crushing it right now. She's Eliza's opener. She opens for everybody. She's starting to headline now. There's a lot of the SF start guys that were like big in SF when I started who are here now and crushing it. Daoud Namyar. Andrew Rolfo, Mark Smalls, and Joey Avery. Those are all like the SF guys that were my seniors when I started. And now they're all doing their own thing and just crushing. I mean, there's a lot of great comics here. I, I love all the comedy store door guys, including Jetski, whose merch I'm wearing. I was like, that looks familiar. Yeah, this is Jetski Johnson's. She's blowing up right now. She's on the Bad Friends podcast and still works the door at the comedy store. And yeah, I feel like that's a good group. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I like Have everybody. you ever hosted a show before or had a consistent... Well, because you had that open mic in San Francisco. Yeah. Not, not really like produced my own show. Is that mm-hmm. what you're asking? Not really. I had a show at Zeitgeist in SF during the pandemic, but not really. I don't like to produce. I wish I did because it would help my career, but... Yeah, people say it's what you got to do. Yeah, I'm not really that interested in it. I think I will start a show, but yeah, it might not be that good. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's okay if it's not, though. Yeah. Yeah. Have you produced a show? I am looking to start a show. Start it. I'll do it. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. Cool. <laughs> you booked. You hired. Well, no, this I'm, is a show. Yeah. And well, so the show that I'm starting, I'm looking to host it. This is a very tentative idea. Mm-hmm. But I really want to host a show in a fine art gallery. I think it'd be so cool to perform just next to dope paintings. Yeah, for sure. But I'm also not sure if people would be as down to laugh in mm. the environment that feels more delicate. Yeah. The one issue that with those spaces is white walls, really. It's not good yeah. for comedy. 
White Walls isn't good for comedy in terms of the vibe or in terms of acoustics. I don't think it changes the acoustics, but like just it's brighter and you want darkness. You want anonymity. Yeah. I mean, the shows that I've done in White Space, it kind of feels like you're performing in an office building or something like that. Right. It can be good, but there's a reason the comedy store is painted black, you know? Yeah. What about like a warehouse? That could work too, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, the other place that'd be easy is probably booking something out at Third Wheel, which you introduced yeah. me to. Oh, I did? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. that's a classic. Yeah. Do you, do you go there still? Yeah, I do. Every now and then? Yeah, I don't do the mics so much, but I just did a show there, and it's cool. I'm down for it. I honestly, from a, a heady space, I think it's the coolest spot in L.A. Oh, really? Because they just have free mics from 6 to 2 a.m. Yeah. It's all kinds of people, yeah. like people of all walks of life that I never would interact with. And I'm looking at them and they're also looking at me. Yeah, yeah. And they're like this bitch. And I'm like, I know. Yeah, you are one of the different types of people there for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I, yeah, I don't mind third wheel. I'm starting to get too old in my career to be like, oh, the, like the list and like the yeah. bumping. And it's oh, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's starting to be not worth it for me. But yeah. I still like third wheel. It's Where do cool. you like to go? For mics, mm-hmm. I mic pretty much just on Tuesdays. I'll go the improv and then I'll try and find another one. And then the West Side, their 10 p.m. mic. Are there any like colossal fuck ups that you can remember from either your career or earlier points in life that you didn't feel like you were going to come back from and then you did? Any fuck up that I've had, I look back on it and I'm like, it's no big deal. You know what I mean? That's always the way it is. Yeah. Things feel like a really big deal in the moment, but it, it never really lasts or like you just kind of get put in the perspective gets put into I feel like most of it is things that I've said to comics who are above me mm-hmm. and I've just thought about of just like why would I say that or why would I ask for that now I'm kind of getting to a point where I'll see younger comics kind of do that with me and maybe they'll say something awkward or ask for something that they shouldn't have and I know that it weighs on them but for me I'm just like it doesn't matter dude you're just like trying you know yeah. what I mean like what I feel like I walk away from almost every conversation and like, fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. And I believe me, I do that too. But I think it's just a matter of remembering that nobody is, everyone's thinking about themselves. So to to think that like someone is going to like go home at night and think like, what a fucking idiot. Like she was for saying that. Yeah. Like that doesn't really happen. You know what I mean? So I, I think fe- for me, the fear is like, which this is fear setting because it's probably not true Mm -hmm. is that the next time they see my name or it comes across their desk or whatever they'll be like not that bitch yeah you know yeah or if someone else asks them they'll be like not that bitch right i think if you're coming from a place of just trying to make something happen for yourself or if you're just being genuine i feel like the only people that sticks with me is people who haven't paid me or have done something right to hurt like the scene or like another yeah. comic but if it's just somebody trying to make something happen for themselves yeah by asking for a favor i'm not gonna hold that against you yeah but I mean, so and then true. people will ask for favors that I don't do. And then I'm like, are they going to hate me forever? Because I didn't do this thing, you know? And No, I've been thinking about that Dynamics too. change too. People grow past you. And you don't yeah. want to be remembered as the guy who didn't do the favor or whatever. Help. Yeah. No, yeah. I recently, there was a girl. I've been thinking about it for like actually four weeks. Mm. She asked me for advice. And she just asked me during a week that I was really fucking busy. Right. And I didn't do it. And I've been, then I heard from a family friend that... I had rejected her and I was like, no. Oh, yeah. No, this is the point of what I didn't want to have. It's easy to have those misunderstandings for sure. Yeah. And I mean, it's important to remember when you ask something from somebody is that they have their own shit going on and they're not. Yeah. They're not dialed in on you all the time. Yeah. They're not just free to talk at all times. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. But it don't mean we don't love you. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know if I've had really big colossal fuck-ups. I'm just trying my best. Can you talk about supporting yourself as a comic? I think for me, this is a huge point of interest just in terms of paying rent and what type of jobs you've done to make it work. Mm -hmm. I don't have a day job right now. Hopefully it stays that way. It might not. I worked really hard in the pandemic 
to save money to move here. So what were you doing? I was teaching skate lessons. Um, Fuck yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. So, and I also, you know, got stimulus checks and I also wasn't paying rent because I was living with my folks. So I've saved up uh, enough money, I feel like, to make it here for a while mm-hmm. if if I were to make no money. But I'm also making some money doing stand-up. Hopefully I get a big gig every month. I mean, you just have to find jobs that allow you to have a comic schedule. Right. Which is not easy to do i feel a lot of job interviews end quickly for comics because they're like i can't work nights i can't work fridays i can't work saturdays i'm out of town like Hmm. a few times a month and it's hard to find that regular job i know a lot of people who do tutoring virtual tutoring tutoring is a great one and then production assistants that's that was my big thing for a while for sure production assistant scares me because my understanding is that you'll be working 12 hour days non or maybe even longer yeah. sometimes non-stop for months at a time so yeah that's not the comics i would never take a months at a time gig i'd take a lot of okay. one-offs okay yeah. and then my thing with production assistance is i would always give a hard out because i hate the uncertainty oh yeah 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 of not knowing when it'll end mm-hmm. you know uh, so there's definitely a lot of drops that I've left like right at seven. Maybe I didn't even have anywhere to go. I was just like, huh. yeah, I got a fucking Hard show. Out. No, and, you have to advocate for yourself that way. Yeah. People also like comedians. And when you tell them you're a comic and you have a show, I think that they want to be able to be like, yeah, go do your show. Yeah. That's uh, it. But yeah. I'm a hard out king. <laughs> Which is funny because you sat down today and you were like, no hard out. Yeah. I was honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't Love have to do the that. generosity. Yeah. I'm gonna keep you here for four hours. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk about what you? Oh wait, you were saying the skating lessons. Yeah, so I worked at a skate camp for a long time. I was working at the UC Berkeley skate camp. I was a director there for a while. I was assistant director, and then I was like the acting director. Then the pandemic happened, and my girlfriend at the time was a nanny, and word got out was that I was like a skateboard teacher and I started nannying her kids and the neighbors and it was a Mm -hmm. whole street in a very residential family friendly part of San Francisco before I knew it I had the whole block was all my clients (laughs) and I was just working literally like three or four hours a week the skate community yes and I was just working like a few hours a week and making the best money I've ever made so I did that for like a year and then that's so cool yeah it was cool it was fun I mean, it's funny how even three hours of work a week can feel like a fucking job that you dread. But yeah, I don't know. I had it pretty good. (laughs) I would do it here too if I could, but it takes a lot of work to get those clients and keep them plugged in with the kids. Yeah, they all dissolve eventually. The the children just the clients. It's just like unless you're hitting them up every week, like we're going skating, they're gonna stop coming to you right i think also it's kind of expensive so the parents are if the kid's not asking about it they're not gonna like go out of the way yeah Yeah. but yeah that was my job that was my full-time job during the pandemic and it was fun and i made some money taught some kids what were you doing comedy wise during the pandemic how did you keep that going there were some outdoor shows milk bar actually was doing a lot of outdoor shows and a lot of comics quit i guess they took a break but They definitely quit for like a year and a half. And I didn't. So all of a sudden there was less comics and still stage time. So I was starting to do like more 20 minute sets and I was closing out shows and I found more of my voice during that time. I definitely got better during the pandemic. So when shows did start coming back, I was Mm -hmm. like way better than I was before. ready to rumble. Yeah. I just didn't quit. And then when I was able to get stage time, I was so grateful for it because I knew that it wasn't guaranteed that I could do it like I didn't take it for granted anymore so I just made more use of the stage time that I did have and shows did come back and I had my own show and yeah so I just got better during it I was lucky I was definitely lucky what does the process of building a longer set look like for you because I feel like you're a comic who's very focused on the minute every single line of a joke yeah but I know that you've also grown into doing these longer sets Mm -hmm. i'm doing more 45s now and i i mean those are loose for sure i'm going slower Mm -hmm. and i'm saying lines that maybe don't necessarily always work but like i need more 
time and then also a lot of crowd work and stuff right that's when the crowd work is gets really fun in those long sets mm-hmm. you can kind of build these long chains and stuff to call back to it definitely looks different than a 10 minute set but i still hit the same lines same jokes it's just a different pace and yeah not as focused what devices do you use to memorize those i'll bring notes on stage if i have to i don't and really have shame in that yeah yeah and i don't feel like a crowd really cares or i I know that some headliners don't want their openers to have notes which is fair but i don't really feel shame about having notes on stage yeah that's good yeah yeah no shame never quit what's kind of this might be a shitty question Mm. but whatever what do you kind of want out of all of this if you were to like look forward to the next 10 years Mm. just fans people to buy tickets Mm-hmm. That's the I feel like the number one goal. Whether I get that through doing a show or some acting shit, I just want people to follow and come out to yeah. shows. What does your social media usage and strategy look like? How do you think about? I that? use it too much. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know. It is the industry now. There aren't really gatekeepers in the same way. It's just like, can you reach people on social media? And so. Yeah, I just try and post my clips on there and hope that they do well. Is that how you found that you've booked most of your things? Through through people seeing your social media? No, not necessarily, but it helps. I think also just reminds people who book stuff that you exist. If your name and face pops up, then like Mm -hmm. they'll be reminded of you and book you that way. But I don't think it's directly related to the actual post. Right. Or... Yeah. I mean, and people also want comics with followers on their show so that they... Right. They can boost their fans their buy own. tickets. Yeah. 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 No, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like it's been something I've been struggling with because I really hate using my phone and hate being on social media. <coughs> but I've also found everyone saying it's necessary. Yeah. I mean, and so also I've like... posted like two or three things. Yeah. And I don't think there's a real need. It's not for every stage of your career either. I think when you have good tape and stuff that you feel comfortable putting out there like then you should do it but there's a lot of people who are putting just trash out in the internet and i don't think that's doing anyone any favors you know what i mean one of my favorite pieces of advice in an interview from sam morrill was Mm. he was talking about the importance of failing in yeah anonymity yeah totally which i did just say correctly yeah yeah anonymity and i feel like i'm definitely at a stage in my career where that's probably going to serve me better yeah 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 and you want to come out the gates with some fire there's a lot of comics that i think of as not great comics just because i saw them suck and then now they're good but i still have this image in my mind of them you know Mm -hmm. so yeah it's definitely like take your time and put yourself out there when you're ready it's not going to help to people to see you like working on jokes in in this permanent medium you know what i mean completely and I mean I've definitely put a lot of stuff out there that wasn't ready to be out there so it's not like I'm not guilty of it I mean I think that it's a dance because on the one hand I definitely approach life with this mentality that iteration is the key to success Mm. and you just kind of have to keep going and keep pushing yourself out there and the other piece of advice that I think of often this is from Tina Fey's book nice Lorne Michaels used to say to them he'd be like every Saturday at 11 p.m. there's gonna be a show whether you're ready or not Mm. like which just goes to show like SNL doesn't always rock. Yeah. But no matter what, at 11 p.m., they're putting on the fucking show. Right. And so they're delivering. Yeah. It's like you just kind of have to keep going. And at the same time, you want to make sure that you're delivering quality over quantity. Totally. Totally. It's hard. It's a hard thing to juggle. Have there been any comics that you've spoken to or artists in general or whatever could be a family friend or something mm-hmm. that's given you a piece of advice that stuck with you? Mm. Uh, my cousin who is a sculptor and just a great artist and someone I admire and look up to very much also very funny although not a comedian I don't even know if I follow this advice ever but he gave me advice when I was doing more fine art which was to work upside down like literally turn the paper upside down and draw that way just to like get you out of your headspace that you usually like create in is just to do it from a different perspective or a different angle and i think you can apply that to stand up you have to at some times like put it on its head you know or Mm -hmm. else it will become stale and this formulaic thing so i like that just to like i think that's a beautiful piece of advice and so simple and i think that it should be simple you know just like 
yeah, do it upside down. Turn it around. Change, change it up. Do the Macarena. Although I really don't think I follow it, but I think it's cool. And it was pretty badass. Yeah, no, that is badass advice. All good advice to me is just really practical, you know, just like write every day and tape your stats, listen to it, cut out what doesn't work. But the practical advice is the best. Advice. Yeah. Can you share something you wish you knew going into comedy? That's a good question. I'm pretty proud of how I did it. And it's so simple just to be on stage every day. And I really did try and do that. And I I think the shit talking thing is just like, it's so unnecessary and so hurtful in the long run to talk negatively about people. Mm -hmm. And I still struggle with this, but I try not to say anything negative about anybody, you know? I do have a rule of no shit talking at the club. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or like a, a block within any comedy space because like you never know like who's there or like who's gonna hear it yeah and it's a rule that i still break sometimes but yeah i just think negativity is so hurtful and people really remember that and there's people who are so negative and talk a lot of shit and it's just like that's how i think of them now you know what i mean yeah. and it's just so unproductive so i think just positivity i could have always been more positive and yeah I remember the last time you were here, you were saying that you wanted to be able to go back into the open mic scene and feel more excited about it and Mm. bring that positivity there. Yeah. So that's definitely a philosophy that I'm sure carries through the rest of your practice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really big challenge is to be positive about open mics. And when I moved here, I was like, I'm going to be an open micer again. And I just need to embrace that aspect of it Mm -hmm. and I did if you go in knowing something sucks then you're not going to be surprised when it does you know or let down right and so when I was going to third wheel and all these mics I wasn't like oh fuck I'm getting bumped like what the fuck I was like no you knew that was going to happen I think if you go into it knowing it's going to be like a four-hour thing then you're not going to be disappointed and sad I mean being positive is, is so good and there's people that I know and look up to and usually I'm like really admire their positivity if they're Mm -hmm. able to do that and that's the coolest thing about them so yeah and when people say that about me that's always a huge compliment because I don't necessarily feel like I am that way so I just always strive to be but no no no. last time you were here you were like I'm trying to be positive and also your other piece of advice was when you go to open mics be intentional oh yeah 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 for sure and I feel like that's something that I haven't always enacted but when I do I like have a little, thanks, Orion. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's so much better. And I mean, I definitely still have those moments where I waste my time on stage. And when I write my set list out or I go with something that I want to work on or if I like actually write jokes and tell them that night, it makes it so much more productive. Yeah. But I definitely, I give my space, myself space to be unproductive and to fail as well, though. I'm not going to hold that against myself. Yeah. I mean, I think that comes with the trade. Yeah. I think we're all just trying our best Mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of how well you spend your time. Totally. And I don't spend it that well a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what are you doing? You're like skating? I don't skate really, but no, I I, I do fine with my time. I always want to be doing more. I think if I felt like, yeah, I'm crushing it, I'm being as productive as I can be, then I would plateau you know so well, that's the paradox of it all yeah because you have to leave time for restoration because i find that when i am exerting myself it's double time mm-hmm. an hour of writing can really squeeze the life out of me totally you know and yeah. then i'll be like pretty toast for the rest of the day for sure that's how i feel every afternoon <laughs> <laughs> but that's great toast. like that's then you're you're doing great yeah what are two things that you're most grateful for Oh, man. My brother, my brother Gabriel, very grateful for him. I'm also grateful for my manager, Molly. Shout out. Man, I don't know if those are the two top things, though. Can you talk about getting a manager and Uh, what that looked like? I got my manager at Just for Laughs. I probably wouldn't have a manager if I didn't go to that festival. So. And how did you book Just for Laughs? I did an audition at a festival, and I got it that way. So you... I'm assuming what happened is you applied to be in one festival Mm -hmm. and then at that festival you were able to audition at this other festival Um, at that festival was the booker for just for laughs and she saw me she saw me and booked me through that cool yeah that's very lucky what was that first festival Uh, that was big pine in san diego 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And how do you find all these festivals and put yourself out there that way? You're just submitting tapes? I'm submitting. Yeah. Usually, co- well, that one I met the booker of that festival and she invited me to submit. So I kind of got like a free submission link. So, mm-hmm. and that's just from traveling. The advice I give to all young comics is to travel and to meet people in different scenes. And that came from that. But yeah, you just apply and it usually is like 40 bucks or something. And so you just apply for the ones that you think you have a chance right. of getting into. I mean, don't throw your money away. And- yeah. What are the top clubs you would recommend I reach out to or places that you'd recommend I go check out that are kind of near LA? San Diego, for sure. Madhouse Comedy Club is great. Mm -hmm. They're pretty welcoming to comics and just indie shows. I mean, clubs are whatever. I mean, clubs are not, you typically pay less. And yeah, what I do is I'll go on Eventbrite and look up comedy tonight in X, Y, and Z town and then... That's I'll. fucking brilliant. Yeah. I've been on Instagram like a fool. Oh, no, no, no. You want to go to Eventbrite? Oh, and my then God. Find the... Pr- Usually you can... F- I mean, comics are very... When they produce shows, they always make a point to like put their own name on there so that they get the credit. And right. They, uh, so you right. can usually find who's booking it that way. Because I'm a real slut on Dice. Do you What's know what Dice, Dice is? No. It's all the, the best DJ sets in LA. Oh, cool on dice and i'm constantly scrolling on dice yeah. but i need to be on eventbrite yeah eventbrite is our dice okay yeah cool 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 and just reach out to them brilliant people are cool and they also are most likely sick of booking the same people. 20 comics on a show yeah so okay yeah you got it and if you ever need help i can give you some recommendations please do yeah. i will be hitting you up for that hell yeah and give us one big fuck you Mine is my roommate and one of my best friends, Miranda, has very bad time management skills. I go to the airport a lot and I'll have her drive me and I'll give her my money instead of just like a random Uber. And she will lie to me about her ETA because she'll be late and she won't just tell me the number on the GPS. She'll cut it down. So I'm just like, I don't understand it. I'm just like, just tell me the real ETA. You need find my friends and then you can track your yeah, Miranda Uber. I know, exactly. So that's my big F you. But I yeah. love her to death. And <laughs> yeah, I'll always choose her. All right. Thank you so much yeah, for thank coming, you. Ryan, Thanks, Erica. This rocks. recording this episode. Yeah, that was a big F you. Yeah, that was a big, <laughs> the last time Orion was here. We realized at the end of the episode after we had recorded for like an hour and a half that garage band which is what yeah. i record on had not recorded any of it yeah but cool. we did it yeah hell yeah success if you enjoyed this conversation with orion levine give him a follow on instagram at orion.levine and give him a google on the youtube because he's got some really great sets up there especially his late late show appearance which is now posted on youtube everyone should download the counter app and count how many laughs he got and then do hashtag the big f you and maybe it'll get back to him i don't know send him a dm (laughs) i don't think he'll respond but um yeah give him a send him send him a message say how many say how many counts you laughed laughed you count laughs the you know what i'm saying um anyway thanks for listening to the big f you Keep up with The Big F You on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. I don't know about Google Podcasts. I've applied. I don't I don't know how that shit... Does anyone listen to Google Podcasts? I feel like I definitely have some, some cousins who are Google Podcast. They're so Google Podcast. <laughs> ah, Google Podcast. Anyway, fuck you, love you, bye. Bye. <laughs>